are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. One day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power was with the Lord and with Jesus to heal. Just then, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus said to the one who is paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. So immediately the man stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. Beloved, these are the words of our God. In our text today, we find Jesus around in the Galilee region teaching. We are only in the fifth chapter of Luke so far, so Jesus is still very early in his ministry. At this point, he has only called three disciples that we know of, Simon, Peter, James, and John. He's performed a handful of miracles so people know his name, and he's been kicked out of his hometown, Nazareth. The Pharisees and the other Jewish Jewish teachers are hanging around Jesus to see what he will do and to listen to his teachings. They've heard rumors about Jesus, and they want to investigate that his teachings on the kingdom of God are in line with what they are teaching from the Torah. And so as we're taking all this in in our first verse, as we are getting the scene set for us, suddenly we are told, and the power of God was with Jesus to heal. Okay, then. So I don't know about you, but when I hear that word heal, I immediately tense up. I don't necessarily think first about Jesus performing miracles and all of the good things that should be associated with that word. Rather, I think mostly about people, typically church people, telling me that they will pray for my mother's healing, my brother's healing, my healing, and it makes me a little nervous and a little wary. You see, my family and I have had our fair share of health concerns over the years, which have included hospital stays and emergency room visits, but also the daily living with chronic illnesses and disabilities. And while people have great intentions for praying for the healing of someone in the hospital and ER, 
Mostly when people pray for my family, they are praying for a miraculous curing of my type 1 diabetes, my brother's cerebral palsy, or my parents' chronic health conditions that can be managed, but not cured necessarily. So for me, the word heal doesn't bring up good thoughts of a broken arm mending well or navigating a bad cold. Rather, it reminds me that, unfortunately, less than perfect bodies are uncomfy to be around because we have these expectations of healing and truly existing in the world that don't match up to our lived reality. And I'm sure many of you have your own stories of praying for healing for yourself or for others and being more than disappointed when expectations don't match reality. And so I wonder what would happen if we were to change our language around a little bit. Part of the problem that I have with this text is that we often interchange the word cure and the word, word heal as if they are the same word, when in reality, they are two different terms. And so when thinking about this difference between healing and curing, I am reminded of a beautiful quote by the late Rachel Held Evans from her book, Searching for Sunday. And it goes, but there is a difference between curing and healing. And I believe the church is called to the slow and difficult work of healing. We are called to enter into one another's pain, anointed as holy, and stick around no matter the outcome. Anoint the pain as holy and stick around no matter the outcome. In this quote, Rachel reminds us that there is this difference between curing and healing. And I think that that's something that we often misconstrue in our minds when we read these stories of miraculous curings and healings and cleansings. So thinking about Rachel's definition of healing, we are reminded that the act of healing is not a one-time fix. It is not something that can be done at a distance. It is not something that can be fully embodied with just thoughts and prayers. Her vision of healing and my vision of healing is the call to be in community with one another, holding on to one another's pain and sticking together through the hard times and through those unknowns. And we see this in our passage with the paralyzed man's friends. Our text tells us that some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. These friends have obviously heard about Jesus and the miracles that he's already performed and want to help their friend by bringing him before Jesus. But our passage doesn't end there because it's never quite that easy. It continues on telling us, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. The friends didn't have a clear path to Jesus. The crowd was too thick, full of people. And so instead of giving up, instead of saying, oh, well, well, we tried, that's good enough, they instead got even more creative, went up to the roof to lower their friend down. And I believe that that is one way that we can be active in healing for ourselves and for others. The friends never gave up on their paralyzed friend. Instead, they kept trying, and they were with him the whole time. They didn't leave him behind the crowd alone to run ahead and make a path for him to get to Jesus. 
they did that hard work of bringing him along and did everything within their power to get him to Jesus. So I wanna pause here for a moment. Our text does not tell us if the man with paralysis wanted all of this to happen. We can assume that since his friends are the ones bringing him, that the man with paralysis consented to this, consented to being brought before Jesus. But we don't know this for sure. And so as we talk about healing and about the links that the friends went through, I want to be really clear that you should always ask for consent from your friends before doing something. You should never assume to know what your friend or your loved one wants or needs for their own healing and jump to that conclusion. Because every person's version of being healed looks different. And we need to respect that what people are hoping for and what the links they're willing to go through may be different than what we imagine they might be. As our lovely picture states, consent is mandatory. And this is true of all aspects of our lives and community with one another. It's always important to ask those questions. How can you be most helpful? And accept that their answer just might surprise you a little bit. So with that, another version of walking with someone in their healing could be doing advocacy work with them. For me personally, I have type 1 diabetes. And so to have someone working with me to advocate for lower insulin prices is way more healing than praying to be cured for my type 1 diabetes. And while I love the sentiment, and I truly believe that people have their best intentions with their prayers, and they truly believe that one day I might be healed or cured of my diabetes, the true healing and restorative work for me is being able to have affordable insulin that doesn't break the bank, doesn't require me to choose between rent and food or the life-giving medicine that keeps me alive. And that is what healing looks like for me in my own personal life right now, to do that work of advocacy and social justice in that way. But there are others in the diabetic community who are praying that their healing looks like having new research lead to an even better insulin pump that does more of the work for us and relieves that constant stress of managing the unmanageable. So even within the same community of type 1 diabetics, we have different hopes and dreams for healing and restoration for ourselves and for others. And so while Rachel has distinguished healing and curing for us, our Bible has yet another variation on the word healing. Because like I said, it's never quite that easy, right? The word for healing can be used for the physical act of healing or curing someone, but oftentimes it is used as a metaphor for delivering someone from their sins or restoring them to society and making them whole. In our text, we find that Jesus sees the friend's faith and proclaims, friends, your sins are forgiven you. But then the Pharisees question among themselves, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus responds, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, on and on and on. And Jesus instructs the formerly paralyzed man to get up, take his cot, and go home. So in this little encounter, we, we have two issues going on. The first one being that the man is saved from his sins and also he's suddenly no longer paralyzed. Does this mean that having a disability is a sign of a sinful life? I'll give you a hint, it's not, but we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> the second issue is the Pharisees' lack of faith in Jesus and 
him claiming to be able to forgive sins in their eyes. And so it seems to me that these, that these two stories of Jesus healing the man with paralysis and proving himself to be the son of God have been mixed together and entangled so much that our takeaways have led to some toxic beliefs, like the idea that having a disability is a sign of a sinful life, which it's not. Jesus, unfortunately, more than likely knows that most people he's around at this time believe that having a disability is a sign of a sinful life. That was a dominant thought for that time frame that has still managed to make its way into our day and age in some religious circles. And so instead of simply healing the paralyzed man, that would be a really great bookend for this story, Jesus also decides to use this opportunity to heal the man, but to prove that he is capable of forgiving our sins as well. And that seems all right, except what gets lost is the idea that these two are not mutually exclusive, um, like people want to believe. It takes the miracle of seeing the man with paralysis walk after Jesus forgiving his sins for the people to believe the truth. And they're two separate things. If we were to have read the preceding verses of our gospel passage today, we would have read the story of Jesus curing the man with a skin disease, cleansing that man of his leprosy. In that passage, we learn this exact thing that we need to keep separated, that having a disability does not equate to a sinful life, and to be cured of your disability or chronic illness is not qualified on the spiritual and prayer practices that you may or may not have. Jesus wants to restore all of us into community with each other, and that is what he is doing in both of these curing stories. When Jesus cures the man with a skin disease, we see that the man comes to Jesus and claims, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And Jesus responds, I do choose. Be made clean. And then goes on further to tell him to go to the priest perform the rituals to make an offering for his cleansing. Jesus was simply cleansing this man of leprosy so he can return to society and no longer be an outcast like they had made him. Jesus makes no mention of forgiving his sins, of the man's spiritual life needing to be changed. Jesus simply recognized that this man was not allowed to fully participate in society, and he decided to change that. In both of these stories, Jesus is doing what it takes to restore these men back into society, into the society that shut them out, so they can live their lives as whole people of God, the way Jesus wants all of us to live. Jesus did what it took to remind these people that they are whole human beings, just as they are. And even though in these stories we see miraculous cures and cleansings, I don't believe at all it is because Jesus saw something wrong with the disability or with the person. Rather, Jesus wanted them to be fully integrated into society with us. And so Jesus calls us to that hard work as well of bringing people in and helping them heal and be fully part of our society and our community. While Jesus was able to cure people, unfortunately, us in this room, we don't quite have those same powers yet. But we do have the power of helping heal one another by removing those roadblocks that keep people ostracized in society, by helping them come back into their communities and to help them recognize that they are full, wonderful, beautiful creatures 
of God, images of God fully as they are. We have that power to bring people in and help them belong. And so with all of that, I have a couple questions for you. What would be healing for you, for this church, for Madison as a city? What are the roadblocks that have kept you from participating fully in society? How can you help someone else overcome their roadblocks? Maybe it is advocating for medications to be priced fairly. There are so many life-giving and life-saving medications that are overpriced. It's not just insulin. Or maybe it's petitioning the school board to finally make that one building on campus accessible to everyone. Whatever it is, I encourage you all to share your ideas, talk with one another, and find your friends that will most definitely lower you in front of Jesus as the whole and beautiful person that you are and always have been. Amen.